This is going to be a very hair-raising episode of Attack of the Killer podcast. This episode is about hair horror, or what we are calling this episode, Killer Hair. I'll let you mull it over for a moment. We will be discussing the hair do's and don'ts. Why did we pick this topic? That's just our style. So come with us on our journey. (laughs) Bring your girlfriend along. Even if she doesn't like horror movies, this episode may just condition her. There's no split ends about it. This episode will be loved across the land from California to Maine. Killer hair on this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attention planet Earth and beyond. Stay tuned for Attack of the Killer Howdy ho, boys and girls. Welcome to, I told you, Jason, that was oh. going to be the best intro I ever my, wrote. My neck hurts <laughs> from shaking my head so much. Yes. My eyes are rolled completely uh, into the back of my right? head. Right? <laughs> Welcome to episode two, 233 of Attack of the Killer podcast. I'm your host, Insane Mike, and this episode is called Killer Hair. What does that mean? I don't know. What? <laughs> I guess we're all going to fight out together. That's right. Now, what is Attack of the Killer podcast? Well, he doesn't know that either. (laughs) I I guess we're going to find out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I should just leave it at that. But no, Attack of the Killer podcast is a horror movie podcast where a group of friends get together and talk about horror movies. Not just any horror movies, but horror movies with a particular topic. We laugh, we cry. It's a grand old time. Heck, sometimes we even forget that we're recording, Tad. So there may be spoilers. (laughs) Love it. Now, do you need meaning to your life? Do, do you, I? Do you wake nope. up in the morning asking yourself, what does it all mean? Now your life can have purpose. Become an attacker today. You go to jointheattackers.com. You will find reason to live. At jointheattackers.com, you can pick the level of attacker you want to be. Becoming an attacker helps support the show. Your support helps keeps the lions here at Attack of the Killer Podcast because the electric bill for podcasting is enormous. It's outrageous. The best part about being an attacker is all the cool stuff that you get. You can get bonus episodes, various uh, various video series. You can even get an original <laughs> Mikey's Monsters, a portrait of yourself as a monster drawn by me. There's even more perks you can get by becoming an attacker. And I feel like there's more perks of becoming an attacker than most other Patreons out there, I assume. <laughs> Again, go to jointheattackers.com, help support the show, and become an attacker today. Guess what time it is. What? What? It's time to introduce you to the podcast crew. That right. He walked into a barber shop. And the barber said, need a haircut? He said, no, I want them all cut. Tad, everybody. Oh, my God. That's that's like a joke you would say when you walk into a barber shop. Exactly. Hey, guys, thanks for listening. <laughs> the carpet matches the drapes. Jason, everybody. What? That's it? Oh, my gosh. 
I hate that it's also true. What's up, everybody? Thanks for listening. Now that the listeners are a picture in your pubes. Oh, I'm so happy for that. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. <laughs> I was talking about your drapes and curtains, you pervs. <laughs> From the Brett and Tony podcast, or I guess after their Raw Force episode, the show should be called should be renamed to Movies That Insane Mike Says You Should Watch. The one and only Brett Royer. Hey, guys. And I am down on being on that podcast. That sounds fun. <laughs> they, trust me, they won't all be gems like Raw Force if, if, if that's uh, your yeah, he says. Even better. <laughs> Welcome back to the show, Brett. Um, why Thanks, don't you, guys. Why don't you tell the listeners a bit about yourself and what you got going on? All righty. Uh, well, like you said, uh, I'm Brett from the podcast Brett and Tony with Ashlyn and Abe. We are a weekly podcast where uh, one week we'll pick a topic like dreams or high school or conspiracies, and uh, we'll just uh, kind of see where the conversation takes us. Uh, then the the next week uh, we pick a random movie on Shutter, and then we just discuss the shit out of it. Um, and uh, upcoming episodes we got is uh, The Howling and Genie Wishes. Um, and then... Uh, I've also got a couple books out, uh, Mouse on the Mississippi River and Iowa Grindhouse, both of which you can get at Amazon.com. And it's great to be here, guys. It's great having you here, man. It's a yeah, lot this of fun is a perfect opportunity to call out how lame your other fellow podcasters are for <laughs> yeah, not right? wanting to be on the show. Gosh. Oh, I already called I already called them out to their faces. So. <laughs> good, good. Yeah, so happy to have you back. Screw those guys. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and folks out there listening, definitely check out their show, especially mm-hmm. the Raw Force episode. So. <laughs> it was a great movie. <laughs> I know. It I mean, it I mean, kind of, but it was really it was it was a fun movie. <laughs> you, I could definitely tell you guys were. It, it may not be a quote unquote good movie, but I could tell you guys had fun. I'm so glad was, they oh, yeah, watched yeah. it all together too. That's what. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. definitely what makes it. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I don't know if I would have liked it as much. Right. <laughs> I, yep. When I was listening to the episode, I was every time you brought up the next wacky thing that happens in that movie, I'm just giggling <laughs> to myself. I'm like, ah, oh, what have I done? Yeah, oh, it's, just it's one... sort of like uh, feeling like you're a part of this show, uh, right? Because we usually <laughs> go through his hoops. So, <laughs> 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 Love it. okay. So, out there listening, have you ever wondered what the podcast crew has been watching lately? Well, we're going to tell you anyway. Here's Tad with what we watched. What we watched. Welcome to what we watched. Um, This is never a mystery to me because I follow all you fools on Letterboxd except (laughs) for Mike. So um, I'm just sort of curious. Mike, what have you watched? Well, uh, I didn't get a chance to watch too much lately. Um, My ass, though, is still recovering from the finally watching Mm -hmm. the Snyder Cut. Where is this going? I I know. Oh, I'm not kidding. I was sore as f after watching. (laughs) Why? From uh, I'm not even gonna go. Oh, just from sitting there that long. It's it not burned. that four, four hours. Come on, oh, it, it, don't tr- don't get me wrong. It didn't feel like four hours, except for you know, my say, lower back. Like but. you're known for marathoning TV shows for a day straight. Uh, I can't, no, dude. I can't do that. Long but anyway, anymore. what'd you think? Awesome, oh, awesome. Good. Definitely way better than the <sighs> um, Whedon cut. The Whedon verse. Yeah. Yep. Um, 
You know, uh, you know, I I'm starting to <laughs> really though find oh boy the crutch or the trope of slow motion stuff rather annoying. I'm getting a little tired of slow everything just turning into slow motion shots. Some of it worked. What's that? I was gonna say. I think I saw a headline that said uh, someone calculated 11 percent of the movies in slow motion. See, Jesus. and so it only would have been like two and a half hours if they just would have cut out the slow motion. Oh now, I'm not going to say like doing slow motion in movies is dumb because it serves, it can serve a purpose. In Justice League, for example, one of the great purposes would be um, getting to see some of those cool action scenes and, 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 you know, instead of like that super fast paced shaky cam garbage that was popular in the, uh, in the late 90s. Um, when it came to action scenes, but but just there's just sometimes where it just feels like slow mo for slow motion sake, or you know if you're trying to pull off something dramatic and you and the only way you think to do it is just yet another slow motion. I feel like it loses its impact. Yep. Um, <clears throat> but that's all just the technical garbage. As God, far as the, I can't even remember there being slow motion in the movie. Are you freaking kidding me? Completely (laughs) sincere. I have no recollection other than, well, you obviously have to for Flash. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like the the action scenes. All the characters move at super speed, so you have to. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So So the action-y stuff is, the slow motion is great, and it does serve a purpose. I can't say I noticed any other. That's so Um, funny. um, But like, you know, because like still my favorite scene of both movies, and I was so glad it was still in this in this version was the the scene where they're all fighting Superman, and Flash oh, goes man. to get into the fight, and that little eye shift that oh, Superman my does, gosh, so awesome! Yeah. Oh, it just makes me giddy every time I see it. So I was glad that stayed in the movie. But man, oh, such so much so much more goodness in in it than than the original. So much more Justice League. So much more development of the characters, I felt like. I felt right. like the all the Aquaman stuff made way more sense to me this time around yep. than in, you know, because yep. we first, in the original cut, you know, we saw, um, and we saw Aquaman, then he goes underwater, he has a conversation with Mira, and then he's gone again. And it's like, what, what's, what does all this mean? And, you know, and if you're not a comic book nerd like I am, you have no frame of reference. But it's all there in this version, and that's great. You get the scene of um, Steppenwolf, you know, taking back the mother box from the Atlanteans, and then all that stuff, that conversation between him and Mara makes way more sense. And, oh, yeah, I'm just, yeah, was really, really happy. Uh, definitely filled a lot of more DC comic book geekness in me. I'm getting to see... Um, you know, it's just, I don't even care spoilers anymore, but Martian Manhunter getting to see him in oh, there. Oh man. And it's kind of cool. Cause like, I always feel like, I always felt like if, if it was my DC universe, Martian Manhunter would always be like the guy in the shadows that's kind of pulling the strings. And then you get that feeling that that's what this character is all about. And I love how it's like connected. That character of John Jones is connected all the way back to Man of Steel. And we just didn't know it until we see him shift into the general. Um, and it also, you know, and it makes sense with the Martha Kent stuff, visiting Lois Lane. Like, you know, what was Martha Kent really doing in Metropolis, visiting Lois Lane? And now it makes more sense. And and getting to see, like, Dark, oh, dark Side. Oh, and, man. And getting to see uh, Desaad and Granny Goodness all in there. 
Um, and then that's just that flashback scene. I thought it was amazing in the original cut. You get to see, get to see, you know, Green Lantern in there, and you get to see this and that. And but it's so much more in this version. I mean, you get to see close up shots of the of the Green oh. Lantern in this one, and and you get to figure out kind of who's who in the uh, you know like the gods and the Atlanteans and all that. And oh, it was yeah, very happy with it. Anyway, well, I appreciate you saving me four hours. So you haven't watched <laughs> it yet? I thought you did. <laughs> Ain't nobody got time for that. Oh, come on. Oh, whatever. <laughs> you make time for that awesome movie. And then the only other <clears throat> thing that I'll talk about, um, uh, Brandy showed me one of her all-time f- – she she loves found footage movies. I love found footage movies. She showed me one of her all-time favorites uh, from the year 2000, um, uh, the St. Uh, Francisville Experiment. Um. I saw yeah. that on her letterbox, and I wondered. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. She's a she was a big uh, she is a big fan of this film, and it's it's pretty good. You definitely have to, I feel like, excuse it for its early venture into you know comparatively to like found footage that we know today, you know, because it does make some you know mistakes in the found footage uh, world. Like sometimes camera angles don't make sense, you know. Where where's this mysterious third camera coming from? Stuff like that. But it was still it was still a lot of fun, um, you know. Creepy little ghost story. Uh, and what I what I was shocked it was directed by but directed by Ted Nick uh, Nicola, uh, who directed like Tunnel Vision and Subspecies, Bad Channel, did a lot of stuff for Full Moon, Bad Channels, and stuff like that. So. It's kind of cool seeing him do this because it's definitely something different than what I'm used to seeing him do. So it's definitely worth a watch. But that is everything that I watched. Excellent. Well, Brett, what have you watched recently? Oh, uh, a couple things. Uh, last weekend, thank God, I got back into a movie theater and I saw Godzilla vs. Kong. <laughs> it was awesome on the big screen. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Uh, I still need to watch it on HBO. I mean, I've got HBO Max, uh, or whatever it's called now, but, uh, still haven't watched it on there, but, uh, I plan to before it leaves after the 30 days. Yeah, I and loved then, it uh, too. Loved it. Oh, so good, guys. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I've been watching, uh, watching the TV show. I've been binging Six Feet Under. I don't know oh, if you guys ever man. seen that one. Hell yeah. I got the DVD oh. set of that. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. It's my. It's my second time through. I watched it ten years ago or so, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, so I've you know forgotten some of it. So it's nice to rewatch it right now. It's pretty cool. Brilliant show. Uh, oh, so good! I can't wait for the finale. It's one of the best finales. I feel like. Yep. And then uh, let's see. Uh, Friday night, me and my girlfriend had a date night. She picked Ooh. a movie, and I picked a movie, and uh, she picked Anywhere But Here uh, with Natalie Portman and Susan Sarandon. Very serious drama movie. I like uh, both it, of them, so yeah. Oh, it and it was a really good movie, uh, and I thought it pair well uh, with uh, Frozen. Adam Green's Frozen. <laughs> nice, <laughs> awesome. So that's that's what I picked. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, she is uh, she doesn't really like like gross out. Uh, she'll watch horror movies all day, guys. But like when it gets really gross, she uh, she doesn't really care for it too much. Uh, like and in Frozen legs. Uh, well, the, the broken leg part wasn't too bad. Uh, it was 
you, the girl, she loses a glove at one Peels part. The and then, yeah. oh. Yep, the hand peel off of the rail. Oh, uh, she... She goes, oh, Jesus, why am I watching this sick shit? <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I just had to put her on blast real quick. But, uh, yeah, other than that, like I said, I've been watching a lot of uh, Six Feet Under. <laughs> so That's awesome. I've cool. watched the first two seasons, and I sort of fell off. I need to get back on it. But oh. um, Nikki continued and finished all of them. But I have no excuse now because uh, I have access to it. So I've heard it's great. <laughs> and, uh yeah. Adam Green, always a great pick for a date night. I mean, oh yeah, right. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, Jason, what have you watched? Well, the other day, uh, a bunch of us got together and watched a movie together. A yeah. pretty fucked up movie called Butt Boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was a movie. I don't Jesus. know what to say. It was um, <laughs> too good for its premise. Maybe you know, Detective Fox loves work and alcohol. After he goes to AA, his sponsor, Chip, becomes a suspect in his investigation for a missing kid. Fox believes people are disappearing up Chip's butt. <laughs> Let me say that last sentence again. Fox believes people are disappearing <laughs> up Chip's butt. You know what my favorite thing about this movie is? It's fucking played straight as mm-hmm. an arrow the whole time. There is nothing played for comedy. I mean, and it's so ridiculous. Oh, Mike, did you write part of this? Is this one of yours? I would think. Uh, yeah, I, it turned out to be, be way better than I thought it was going to be. Pretty great. Pretty funny. And that's on Prime, so y'all should go check it out. Uh, I watched it with you guys, yes. and since since then, any I've described the movie. I've tried to describe the movie to a couple people, and everybody looks at me like I'm insane for watching it. Right? <laughs> yeah, I told my boss about it. He always is like, "So what'd you watch last night?" Oh no, <laughs> but boy, mm-hmm. like, do you guys agree? Like, or is it just like I feel this way about weird shit anymore? But it had like another Astron Six vibe without like. The comedy part. I don't oh, know. Yeah. I got it. Yeah, Just I in that it. ridiculous, like, are you, this is really happening. Okay. <laughs> and then the shots from inside the, anyway, Mike, you need to see it. <laughs> I too saw Godzilla versus Kong. Incredible movie. Did oh, you see it in the theater? I did not. Then you did see it. Oh, come on. My TV's <laughs> pretty big. And then lastly, uh, since, um, I got, uh, since now I'm totally on a documentary kick after the last episode, um, I checked out, I don't know, I just, I watched one last time and I watched another one this time, so it's totally a trend now. I watched The Last Blockbuster. Oh yeah, I've been wanting to see that. It's pretty great. I had, uh, my friend Noah said that uh, Lloyd Kaufman was the only part that he enjoyed about it. Because they the movie gives him shit. It's, oh, yeah? Yeah, like he comes in talking shit about Blockbuster, and then they basically cut him off and make fun of him for being so negative. I don't know. It's, I don't. What they do with him is pretty funny. He's also right, but like, no, the, the, it's really fun because it, I, it, I mean, yes, you get plenty of uh, Blockbuster history, from beginning to end, you know why it really ended. It wasn't Netflix, and 
but I did. I wasn't ready that the the uh, the the main part of the story is they really spend time with the owner lady and the actual last blockbuster that exists out there in Wyoming. Shit, Artie. Uh, no, Oregon. Oregon. Yes, Bend, Bend, Oregon. And so, like, it spends time with her and the this, this store and if it's going to keep going or not. And there were a few also ones in Alaska, but then they closed down and she became the last one. And it, I don't know. They they got footage from long before that, too. Well, I feel like... In there. and I feel like, thanks to this documentary, the store's life is going to oh, last a bit longer. Oh, yeah, yeah. The store's going to be good now, in theory, because of this movie. Yeah, it's great. It, but, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, it's wonderfully nostalgic for those who enjoy video stores. And that's what I watched. Awesome. Um, someone ask me quick what I watch. Yo, 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 Tad, what'd you watch? Yo. Since we last recorded, I watched 38 <laughs> movies. <laughs> what? Uh, Erica Pace now. Oh. What's happening? <laughs> um, I am binging for my recording in a few days here for my Oscar episode. So I'm trying to watch every single film nominated for an Oscar this year. Um, <laughs> that is a heavy task. Yeah, I bet. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I'm not going to name everything because you can just look at the nominee list and I've watched it. Um, but I will, I will, um, I, I will recommend a few. Um, and, and some that are horror adjacent, I guess I would say. Um, one that Dustin put on his top uh, of the 2020 last year, Love and Monsters, is up for best visual effects. Awesome. And um, watched that last night. It's nice to like. It was a palate cleanser because the nominees this year are so (laughs) heavy and serious. And so it was great. Um, I could see why it made his list. It's so fun. It has amazing, like crazy monster designs. I mean, you guys should just watch it for that. If Dustin didn't convince you, um, I am doubling his recommendation. It's so much fun. It's so cool. The monsters and it has, um, oh, now I'm drawing a blank from, um, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer and uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Henry Roker or Michael Roker. Roker. Yep. Yes, he's he's great in it. But anyways, um, I highly recommend Love and Monsters, even though it's up for just a, a technical award. Um, finally saw Tenet. Oh, boy. Uh, I feel like I need to watch a six hour YouTube video to figure out what the fuck I saw. Um, <laughs> That's what I I really am planning in that. Uh, what does this mean? Video part is my watch time for it. Once yeah, I finally I, do it. It was cool as hell. It's up for visual effects, I believe, and set design, um, which I can see, but it, it, it's just so confusing, guys. I don't know. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure, Brett, did you see Tenet? You saw Tenet, right? Nope, I haven't seen it yet. Oh, I, I'm not, I, I would spoil it, but I ha- I can't spoil it because I don't know what happened. <laughs> um, <laughs> other you just than turn that, Mike off of watching the Tenet. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't, dude, it's so, I don't know, man. Like, I, I don't know, uh, yep. Christopher. I like Christopher Nolan, but uh, and I was. It took me a while to build up to watch it because I had I knew this going in. Yeah, and uh, it's not a bad movie by any means. It's fantastic, but I feel like Christopher Nolan has gotten like t- he he went too far with the cleverness of like this is going to be so clever that I, I don't. I'm not sure he understands it. So um, um, does it come off pretentious then? No, it's just not like, really. It's just, it's, good. Just, it's just yeah. Fun. It's it's just it's really confusing, and I I've put my phone down and actually sat and tried and I put on subtitles because I was told yep. by the movie defenders that yeah, watching it with subtitles helps because 
Christopher Nolan's notorious for like his weird sound edits, and they wear gas masks a lot in the movie, so it's hard to hear them anyways. Uh, that still didn't help. I read every word they said, and I still don't know what happened. Um, but yeah, great. Everything is great about it. It's just really confusing. Um, but I, I watched all the... Uh, this year, I would say, if you're going to watch uh, some of the Oscar stuff, I recommend some of the shorts. Those, to me, were so much better than the features so far because um, they have the animated and then live action and documentary shorts. Um, and this year I, I did a deep dive. If you're friends with me on Facebook, I, I put out a list mm-hmm. with links on where you can watch the shorts. Um, they made me cry a whole lot. No shame. Um, I, I so I'll just pick out a few of those that I recommend. I won't say much about them. Uh, check out two distant strangers that just dropped on Netflix, uh, this past week. That's fantastic. Um, Feeling Through is on YouTube. It's really good. The Present is on Netflix. It's really good. And these are all like 20 minutes or shorter. So they're, it's something that you can fit while you're just sort of eating dinner or hang. I mean, I don't recommend eating dinner while watching these because you'll, you'll choke on your food as you cry. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but uh, there's so many. Um, if Anything Happens, I Love You on Netflix. That was the one that was really got me. A Love Song for Latasha, another one that really got me. Um and then a feature that I really loved was my octopus teacher documentary about a guy who follows an octopus around. It sounds dumb on paper. It's really interesting. <laughs> um, other than that, it's mo- mostly been. Um, it's funny because I'm looking at my letterbox list. It's all Oscar nominees, and then right dab in the middle is Superstar. Um, <laughs> N- N- Nikki was watching that on um, Pluto the other night, and so we we sat and finished that. Yep. And I hadn't. I forgot how, like, I hadn't seen that in so long. That's like a perfect uh, mashup of Kids in the Hall and SNL. Holy shit. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. the best in Cana- Canadian and American uh, com- comedy at that time. It's just, it's it's fantastic. It's, it's you know, even has Tom Green in it. Like, so strange. But, um, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm all over the place. I watched too many movies. I'm st- <laughs> freaking out, man. <laughs> yeah, freaking out, man. Um, so, yeah, that's that's what I watch, guys. Wow. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, Tad. All right, boys and girls, get them tweets ready. It's Pole Position with Jason. From now on, like your parents were, you are the secret force of Pole Position. All right, before we get into today's Pole Position, let's take a quick look back at episode 231's Pole position. The question: What is your favorite horror movie poster? I yeah, this one do you remember that? It. We had Mike with Evil Dead, me yeah. with Jaws, Tad with Texas Chainsaw Two, Andy with Nightmare on Elm Street, and the results: last place with nine percent. It's insane, Mike. What? <laughs> no. What? <laughs> oh, you just. Bullshit. Just, dude, figure out your Twitter so you can vote. Uh, second place, third place. Ooh, third place was Tad with 18%. Ooh, how the mighty have fallen. Second place with 27% was Andy making me the winner with 45% what? of the votes. Come on, it was the Jaws. Come on. It's Jaws. It's Jaws. Anyway, it's hard to argue with any of them. So. I know they're all so good. I mean, Mike's yeah. sucked, obviously, but, but oh. so let's this week's poll position. The question being asked is: What 
Or who has the best hair in horror? Oh, man. What a great, great question. Let's have Insane Mike with his last place pick. Let him go first. Mike, what is it? Well, I'm going with Samara from The Ring. That's pretty good. Um, yeah, she's 90% yeah. hair. Right. But <laughs> as, a, as a person. Right. But I think, but, re, but seriously, though, um, that look kind of set a big trend there for um, Japanese horror for quite a long time. I think still resonating to this day. That even has, you know, bled into American horror films as well. So. Oh, I mean, how many times does Scary Movie reuse it? Jesus Christ. Yeah, I know, right? So, yeah, that's mine, Samara. And in the movie, <laughs> it's actually scary. It's I mean, really effective. Yeah. scary. All right, I'm going to go next, and I, I'm going to do a little bit of Mike here. I did almost... I really wanted to pick the trickster from Brain Scan, <laughs> right? Oh, right. That's pretty good. But that would have been great. But my first, my it came right to my brain, and it's the one I'm going with. I'm going with Sammy Kerr, 1986 <gasps> Trick or Treat. Yes, big yes. hair, don't <laughs> care. I mean, it's, it's Sammy Kerr. So it's a trick or treat. Yeah, do it. All right, Tad. What about yours and your winning vote? I mean, I went with a really obvious one because I need oh, to recover so from my my loss. That's um, right. <laughs> so I'm going with the most recognizable hair in all of horror history, oh, the Bride of Frankenstein. Um, it's recently sort of gone viral again because people posted pictures of it in color, and it's actually red hair with a white stripe. On yeah. screen, it appears sort of blackish gray with a white stripe, but it's actually red. It was filmed red. Hmm. Um, so... I mean, how many uh, that that hairstyle recognizable from people who've never seen a frame of that movie? I mean, it's been it's it's even sort of parodied in a movie we're talking about tonight. So, oh, there's even a minion has a version of. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah absolutely. It's, it's 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 everywhere. Yeah, it's it's there's no more you know classic recognizable hair. It may be in film history, not even horror history. So, yeah, there's literally no argument. You can you know set you can make wigs of that and. <laughs> Just you could set them like next to a hockey mask, and any normal person could tell you who wears that hockey mask and who wore that hair. So, mm -hmm. yeah. well, and if you haven't noticed, Andy's not with us tonight. He just had something he had to do and couldn't be with us, but he'll be back next time. But uh, Brett, do you want to read what his answer was? Uh, I didn't write it down. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> it was whoops, Taryn. From A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, that bad bitch with the mohawk and the blades. Pretty good one. I mean, that's say, a, I'm bad, but I'm beautiful or something. Yeah, something yeah, like that. yeah, that's yeah. what it is. That's I'm what trying it is. to remember the I couldn't get there. Yeah, that's good. Well, Brett, if, I mean, uh, you know, Twitter only lets us put up four votes, but if you had to pick one, who would who would your favorite, who would your best hair and horror pick be? Uh, I it's not hair, it's lack of hair. I'm gonna go with Pinhead. Mm, it's hairstyle. I like okay. it. Yeah, yep. that's a good one. Uh, it's got the not not just the pins uh, on the face, but it goes all the way. Uh, yeah, I love it. I don't know. It's creepy. It's creepy as fuck. <laughs> Damn right it is. Heck yeah. Hell yeah. All right. Well, as your poll position votes for this week, get your butts over to Twitter at aotkp. Get those votes in, and that's poll position. Thank you, Jason. Welcome, Mike. So it's time to talk about killer hair. Yeah. Killer hair and horror. Um, 
So, you know, Jason mentioned it. I should have mentioned it at the top of the show, but unfortunately, our good buddy Andy couldn't be with us uh, for this particular episode. So we miss him dearly. Can't wait for him to return. But I'm going to take his place and talk about the first movie um, that we're going to discuss tonight, and that is uh, from uh, just this past year, 2020. And the movie is Bad Hair. Welcome to the block, where we got Excuse me, excuse me. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so sorry I'm late. You ever had a dream? One you'd be willing to do anything for? Wow. Anna, how's work? Are you still interning for that lady? Executive assistant. Anna, music people have certain expectations, and my girls need to flow freely. Who does your hair? No one? Me? Aren't you tired of it? All the stares you get. That girl is You want to be one of my girls? Yes. This came all the way from India? Forget about where it's from. Let's focus on where it's going. You're not tender-headed, are you? I'll be fine. Clients swear this stuff is magic. Wow. How's it feel? People look at you and they see somebody else and somehow you become more of yourself. I can't fault you for doing whatever it takes to get where they keep trying to keep us from getting. In a perfect world, a woman would be able to wear her hair the way she wants to. She see trees covered in black moss and made herself a wig. Maybe the hair in the tree was enchanted. <laughs> it's fun to think about. Something bad has happened. Oh, I'm aware. Yeah. What? Look, I cannot die today, okay? I've been in church for like 15 years. Uh, hey, girl. Damn, that took a turn. <laughs> this movie takes place in the late 1980s. It's a story about Anna a young woman who is trying to get ahead in her job at culture TV at the culture TV channel and wants to become a music video VJ. She decides to get a weave to better her chances of getting her promotion at work. She begins to get a taste for success. That is until her hair gets a taste for human blood. (laughs) So, yeah. Um, I think I liked this way better than I originally anticipated. Oh, I didn't yeah. I did not end up watching it for 20 from for the 2020 year ender. Mm-hmm. I remember watching the trailer and being like meh, you know, cuz I had heard the premise and the premise got me interested, obviously, killer hair, you know. Yeah. Uh, I tried to tell you guys it was great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you well, I'm not going to say great, but um it is it it's definitely it uh, went beyond my expectations. Um, I just I kind of felt like that there was going to be um, 
a little bit of cultural disconnect that I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't understand um, what the movie was trying to say on on a level that I can't um, connect with. Uh, but I, but I got it. I think they telegraphed it really, really well to, uh, to, to appeal to anybody, um, you know, male or female or, or what have you that, uh, you know, I got it. Um, and I feel like it had a nice mix of comedy with it. Uh, I thought they did a pretty decent job with a lot of the cool hair effects with some of the CGI hair effects and stuff like that. Um, had some good gore in it and some scenes and then some really awesome disturbing moments too. Um, my favorite moment of the whole movie, cause I laughed out loud in disgust. It was awesome when <clears throat> she's in the bathroom and she gets the, the, she gets the pad out of the, uh, medicine cabinet and her hair goes down her shorts and, and I don't think, and, and, and at first Brandy was like half paying attention and, and she's like, you know, what's going on? I'm like, and I just screamed out, she's on her period and the hair's yeah. drinking her blood. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I think Tina was way more like, mm, I don't know about this movie anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you guys can all blame me. I did killer clothes and killer hair. <laughs> I recommended these topics. So just tell your significant others it's Tad's fault. Oh, I did. Really. <laughs> Yeah. Oh gosh. I don't know um, what else to say. There was, I, it was there was some cool, uh, you know, uh, some cool casting in it. Again, you know, with the mm-hmm. whole late eighties, early nineties vibe, they brought in people like James Vanderbeek, um, Vanessa Williams, uh, Kelly Rowland, Kelly Rowland. Yep. Usher. Usher. Yeah. Usher. Oh my God! Did I hate him? His character so much. <laughs> yeah. It was one. Of, it was yeah. definitely one of those like, you know. Let's can't wait for the hair to kill this dude. Uh, Blair Underwood was cool seeing him. I hadn't seen him in forever. So, uh, yeah, so some, some cool, some cool casting going on in there as well. Um, I really like the lead girl. Mm -hmm. Um, watching this movie, and since we had just done, uh, you know, killer clothing the week before or whatever we called it, uh, I was making a lot of comparisons to, um, in fabric in my head while watching this movie Hmm. just because like it's kind of on the same level of like the, the main character, uh, it's kind of shit on through most of her life and story wise, story wise. Yeah. And you know, this is her chance to, you know, you know, uh, better herself with obviously consequences. And I I just like this, how this played out better. Cause I don't really feel like you get the girl in, in fabric gained really anything from her, um, getting this evil dress or whatever. Um, her life was still shitty from the beginning to end other than she finally got a decent boyfriend by the end of, of her story. But in this one, you see that, that transition of her, you know, kind of, kind of more, awkward looking, you know, uh, and whatnot. And, and, you know, getting, you know, get trying to get evicted by her landlord, getting looked down upon by people at work and whatnot. And just this one simple thing of, of getting this weave. Um, and, and it's, it's, it's really interesting cause it, it really changes her physically and it kind of really clicked with me, um, that, uh, you know, I, and, and at, at that moment I'm like, 
I'm thinking like this, this character is more attractive, but at the same time realizing, well, this isn't naturally yeah, this is how for up, her to yeah. wear this hair. So it, that's when it, the whole themes really connect, connected with me on a level. So yeah, yeah definitely thumbs it, up on this one. It's sort of like, you know, is a, a commentary on not just beauty standards, but also, um, you know, something that, like you said, we, we don't necessarily connect with, um, you know, the struggle and it's like that scene where she's getting the weave and like the scenes where it's close up of her hair, like how tight it is. Oh my God. Like oh. I, I just watching it makes me uncomfortable. And I, I can imagine, you know, I, I can't say that I can relate to that or ever have, or will ever have that feeling, but just the way they film it and make it look, it makes you it's sort like a, of fe- feel it. It's like a torture scene the way they film it. Oh yes. Yeah. And it's it like, Oh, the needles going, you know, through the yeah. hair and pulling it so tight to me, it's like the most tense part of the movie is, is some yeah. of that stuff, you know, and, or when she, when it shows her when she's little and she's dealing with that stuff, like the trauma when she's, when she's a kid. And, uh, yeah, man, like th- this, this is a great, I think this is a great blend. Like you said, of comedy and horror, there's some really, really heavy, serious stuff, but they also know that they're making a killer hair movie. <laughs> um, so to me, this is like, it it's it was a fun adventure. This is my second viewing. I thought, you know, it, it's just cool to set it in the 80s. Um, sort of makes it a fun backdrop, and you see some of the 80 styles and hair. And uh, yeah, talk about uh, flat flat tops. Yeah, yeah uh, Usher's hair. Yeah, with that rad Gumby thing going on. Uh, <laughs> just yeah, but it's just like crazy to you know, like you said, like you can recognize. Oh, you know, she's more attractive. But like all the things, even before her hair starts killing. It's like, you know, just having a different hairstyle shouldn't advance her that far in the world. Cause she's still the same great producer, the same everything. She just has different hair and it's just shows, you know, how unfair things can be. Yep. I really, really, really love this movie. It was awesome. I, I, I was always a MTV kid. So like, I, I feel like, I, I mean, I obviously didn't watch a lot of BET, but like, growing up watching MTV and, and just uh, any movie or any story that has to do with behind the scenes stuff of in the industry and music. And I just freaking loved it. And like you said, the comedy and real stuff, real, the the drama stuff was great. And I mean, I, I, I really don't mean to rank these, but man, this was easily my favorite of the three. I loved it. But I, but uh, I do want to say one one the the best part about this movie, Tony Gardner. Did you catch that? That's the effects guy. Oh, it's, no, I it's missed that. The Blob guy. He's done every horror movie known to man, and he's the guy who did the, all the special effects. And awesome, I and totally I, missed that. I loved all the hair stuff in this. It was insane and awesome. And yeah, I loved it. I loved it. So so funny and awesome. Uh, this will this was a hard one for me, guys. Uh, from the description and the trailer, uh, I watched it. I watched the trailer first, read the description first. Uh, I thought I was in for just a ridiculous movie, uh, <laughs> and then it turned out not to be a ridiculous movie like at all. It's just like it's an extremely well made movie. <laughs> um, I thought. Uh, and uh, Mike, uh, a little bit ago, you said uh, about Usher, you were just waiting for him to get killed after a certain point. Uh, I was. It, for like probably like 90% of the cast, uh, that's the way I felt about all of them. Not just oh, wow. Usher. Like, 
Like I was just ready for these well, motherfuckers like, to yeah, get. Fuck all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck all of them. Like this Anna girl in the movie, she was just like she's such a good person. Yeah. Uh, and to, and to have to deal with all these motherfuckers, even her family, because uh, they were all they were all dicks. <laughs> yeah. Um. So. Uh, I liked seeing some motherfuckers getting some comeuppance. That was nice. <laughs> um, and then also, uh, they, I like that they sprinkled in some like real cool shots throughout the movie. Yeah. Um, when she gets broken up with by her booty call, uh, they film it from like his tall angle. So like you really yeah. get that feeling of like him looking down on her, you know? Um, and then another one that I loved, uh, it was throughout it, uh, was the establishing office building shots. Um, they're all, if you remember, they're, they're all like looking up from like this uncomfortable angle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like, so every time we go back to that building, we just fucking dread it. And like, we don't even know why, <laughs> you know? Yep. So I don't know. It was a great fucking movie, guys. I, I, I really liked it. So and what, James what Vanderbilt, guys... what the fuck? I know, right? right? <laughs> You're right. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's awesome. Like in his later career. I, did I really great, do. It? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, yeah. What do you guys think as far as like, Stuff being the the way we consume stuff now, like this is pushed as a you know Hulu got the exclusive rights to stream right. it. Did that have anything yeah. to play into your expectations? Because of the After Dark series, like a little maybe bit. It's, it sort of, it's going to be in that. Not that those right. are bad either, but they right. definitely have that limited budget feel to them. Yeah, like not if all this, of them are good though either, and right. so well, it does kind of set a little bit of a. Uh, a lesser expectation for me. And like if this had an A24 logo before it, do you think uh, you would have been, you, you would have went in with higher oh, expectations? It changes things for sure. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like I, I admit when I saw it for the year end episode, I, it was just on Hulu and it was short enough. So I was like, I'm going to check it out. And I didn't watch a trailer. I didn't want, I didn't read anything about it. It just sounded like I, I needed a palate cleanser and it wasn't quite yeah. a palate cleanser, but it at least has some humor <laughs> to it. And uh, I, I had a blast. I was like, this is so cool. This is, I love everybody in it yeah. uh, as far as actors, you know. And just like you said, it's for a movie about killer hair. It's just it's sort of like we talked about Butt Boy earlier. Like it's better than. Um, it turned it, out it, way better than you expected. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, than it has any right to be for a killer hair movie. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I wish I'd gone in blind like you did. I, I think it would have been, I, I don't know, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's kind of a hard one to go in blindly when you you see a movie called bad hair and you you just instantly is like what is this and then when you hear the premise you just you want to know more and then that's when it's hard not to expect it to be a little wackier but yeah but again i felt like the the there was a decent blend and um with the comedy oh yeah it was solid man I had sort of high expectations because it's uh, the writer and director is uh, Justin Simeon. Simeon, yeah, and he did Dear White People, the show and the movie, which are both fantastic. Uh, Netflix shows awesome, and the movie's great. So I was not that surprised it was good. Uh, he's a really good writer, so yeah, cool. All right, well, Jason, what's next? Up next, we got a film from two thousand seven. It's the Demon Barber of Fleet Street. It's Sweeney Todd. This is the tale of an ordinary man who had everything. Barker's name was Benjamin Barker. Until a man of power 
stole his freedom, destroyed his family, and banished him. May the Lord have mercy on your soul. For life. And in his sorrow, a new man was born. Fifteen years dreaming, I might come home to a wife and child. Benjamin Parker. Not Barker. Sweeney Todd now. And he will have his revenge. Who's my wife? She's gone. And he's got your daughter. Judge Tobin. You gotta leave this all behind you now. No. These are desperate times. And desperate measures are called for. You, sir! No one's in the chair. Come on, come on! Sweeney's waiting. I want you, bleeders. You, sir! Two, sir. Welcome to the grave. I will have vengeance. I will have salvation. I can guarantee the closest shave you will ever know. May the good Lord smile on you. Years, no doubt, have changed me. That's all very well, but what are we going to do about him? Wow, the, I had stuff written up. Do I even have to say it now? The trailer kind of said it all. Um, Evil Judge Turpin, played by Alec Rickman, Alan Rickman, lusts for the beautiful wife of a London barber, played by Johnny Depp, and transports him to Australia for a crime he did not commit. Returning after 15 years and calling himself Sweeney Todd, the now madman vows revenge, applying his razor to unlucky customers and shuttling the bodies down to Mrs. Lovett, played by Helena Bonham Carter, who used who uses them in her meat pie shop. Though many fall to his blade, he will not be satisfied until he slits Turpin's throat. Directed by Tim Burton. And I'll be honest, when this movie first came out and I saw it, I didn't like it. I don't really oh, remember you saw why. It back in the day? I did. And I don't think it was just because it was a musical. I don't remember. I just, my memory has been like, I didn't like it. And then so I was even reluctant. I'm like, I got to watch this mm-hmm. movie I remember not liking. But I liked it. It was good. <laughs> it was pretty good. I, um, I was ple- I mean, anything Alan Rickman does is amazing. Um, it was uh, a pleasant surprise to see Sasha Baron Cohen in there yeah. being amazing. Is very nice. You expect him to be. <laughs> uh, the music was great. The singing was great. Uh, Stephen Sondheim. We we have a a theater uh, in the next town over dedicated to Mr. Sondheim. So it's a familiar name and yeah, I, 
and then like and then once the blood started flowing i'm like yeah that's right this is pretty good <laughs> so I, I, yeah i i ended up really liking it what do you guys think that bad huh jeez no, right. I'll, I'll go ahead <sighs> I'll go ahead. Um, I recommended this one for the episode because um, I, a confession, I have owned this DVD since it came out. A DVD, not a Blu-ray, because when I bought it, um, uh-huh. Blu-rays didn't exist. It's it was <laughs> uh, it was technically unwrapped, but never watched. Um, this is a first time watch for me. Finally getting it off the shelf. And um, anybody want a DVD? Oh, oh no. no. This is See? by far my least favorite Tim Burton movie I've ever seen and that says See? a lot because I watched his Willy Wonka movie. Um it's not Damn. because it's a it's a musical. I love musicals. Um this is by far his bloodiest movie which um, That's cool. That that scene where he's just slitting throats and throwing bodies down the, the <laughs> yeah. slide is really cool. Freaking but outside awesome. of that, yeah, I I missed. I felt like I missed Danny Elfman. Um, the music oh. wasn't catchy at all to me. Uh, it felt like Harry Potter with a razor. Um, they what? they cast. He took everybody from Harry Potter. Like he yeah, took there's a uh, bunch of Harry Potters. In like it. right, yeah, and, and think like about the rap. time. Yeah, think about the timing. Like this was right at like the peak of Harry. Like he, he everybody from this movie, um, Rickman, everybody was in Harry Potter. So I was watching it. Nikki was like, "Did he just like like st- like shoot at night when they were done filming Harry Potter? Just everybody put on a different <laughs> outfit? Like it didn't even be much of a stretch. It just felt like I don't know. I just didn't. I found this so incredibly um, hard to get through and. In, uh, in all fairness, Johnny Depp was using Sarah Bonham Carter first before Harry Potter. I know. And uh, I love Sasha Baron Cohen. Um, he, I think he's a great actor. I think he's actually a really good singer. I like everybody involved in this. I just, to me, uh, maybe it's just a story that bores me, but the, the typical Tim Burton aesthetic. Um, Wonderful. I, I like his aesthetic. It just to me is this is just so boring compared to his other stuff. Oh. I, I really, I really just wanted something more. I just could. Not, I had a hard time getting all the way through this one, guys. Well, I think I'm maybe in the middle, and my problem is is I, I've come unprepared. I still have not decided exactly if I like this movie or not because there's lots <laughs> of pros and cons for me. Um, I've feel like it's missing uh some of burton's aesthetic to be honest with you um you know other than johnny depp's crazy hair it doesn't really feel too much like a uh, tim burton movie and even his crazy hair is rather well that's rather edward scissorhands with a little bit of white um i just i'm i'm sorry man i'm being mean i I said i got pros and cons (laughs) i'll get to the pros Uh uh-huh um (laughs) I'm sorry. I I've just I'm just have gotten to the point where just flushed out films, the color is all flushed out, bore me to freaking tears anymore. I'm so tired of it. Um and I just was thinking about this while watching it too, like if this movie was black and white, it probably would have been better cuz I feel like when you get when you take black and white or extreme colors like you know I love Versus this flushed out, just all everything is just drab and blue. It, well, one that just totally creates a total sense of 
of blah in me just to see that. Yep. Um, but also I feel like why black and white works and this doesn't for me is that you get, there's a lot more attention to the details, the, the depth of field, the, the dimensions of things in black and white, say versus this, because everything just feels drab and flat. Just everything I'm looking at just feels so flat when it's when it's just all these like one color, just different tones. Um, and as I'm watching the movie, I feel like, well, maybe I'm starting to see why he's doing it. Because as things get better for them as you know the meat pie place becomes more successful we then start seeing more color or they're having their picnic there's more color but even still when we get to those moments so i think that's that's the point but first of all but i had to sit through an hour of drab before i get to that so you're gonna lose me i'm sorry but even those more colorful scenes aren't really mm, that colorful they're just a different color just one different color, you know, more reds, which I, f- I feel like is an intentional effect as well. Um, I just think, you know, you could do that in a different way. And Tim Burton to me is a filmmaker that's got far more imagination to get those same points across than let's just, you know, tone down all the color and post. And I just, I, kind of tired of that um uh that 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 whole look it just it just bores me to tears anymore so um so there's that i'm not a fan of the music i really don't care for the music too much the only song i think i really liked and i feel like it was really effective in the film was the montage scene where he's slicing throats because it was such an awesome contrast of this gruesome, you know, he's singing this like kind of loving, touching song about his wife while he's freaking slashing throats and there's blood flying and you could feel that blade on everybody's necks. And then the cool part is when they go down the freaking shoots and the bodies land on their heads and just flop over. It is disturbing and disgusting. I was, I was so proud of Tim Burton and that. So that's where I'm seeping into the, into the pros here. Um, all of those, all those scenes were great because you said that this is probably hit Tim Burton's bloodiest movie. I'm, I'm calling. I'm saying not only is this his bloodiest movie, but is his darkest and most disturbing movie. Like that whole uh, the 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 moment that turned it all around for me in this movie was was the final act, the ending there taking place in the basement. Well, everything leading up to to the finale here, you know, just. Sweeney Todd almost slashing the kid's throat or everything that takes place in the basement. And when he throws her into that freaking oven, I'm just like, Oh my God. And you just, first of all, you see her burning to a crisp and then he locks the door and you just hear her screaming and just being burned alive. And it's just, it felt so effective and it's just so dark. And then how it end ends for Sweeney Todd himself was just, Oh, it's so gruesome and dark. And that was, that's, that's, that's the stuff I really loved. It just, for, uh, for me, it just took a while to get there, to get the ball rolling. It was a little too heavy on the music, on the very, on the musical stuff on the very front, 
like to the point where I'm like, we're not, this is going to be one of those musicals where there's no dialogue. Is there, it's just all going to be, it's all going to be sung. And I'm not saying I'm completely against that, but definitely was not in the mood for that when I watched this, um, <clears throat> you know, but, uh, the ending, the ending to me, the, the whole third act is, is well freaking worth the rest of it. So, so I'm kind of torn. Um, you know, there's things that I really, really don't like, but there's some great stuff too. And then the cast, I'm with you too. I love all that. I will watch anything with Alan Rickman. He's, he's just amazing and just gone too soon. Um, and I am still in the Johnny Depp fan club. I don't care. And anybody says, I still love to see him and everything. Um, so it was a great cast, great performances by everybody. But yeah, so thumbs up, thumbs down. I don't really know where I stand on it. Even as I talk, I kind of keep swaying back and forth. But um, but yeah, I'm glad I finally got around to watching it. Is it going to make, and is it going to make like a, a top 10 of Tim Burton films? No, but it's definitely not his worst. I'm sorry, Tad. It, the, the Willy Wonka one is definitely bottom of the barrel for Tim Burton. Jason, I'm with you. I, I like this movie a lot. Uh, the sets and the costumes, I think, are fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. And uh, all the actors, all the great actors being great in this movie also. Yeah. Uh, it does uh, it does feel a little bit, I feel like, uh, on some of it. I know it's his darkest uh, movie, uh, bloodiest movie, but I don't know. Sometimes I felt like Tim Burton was just like on fucking autopilot on this movie. Uh, but even when he's on autopilot, he's still so fucking good. Um, and then uh, I agree with Tad. Uh, basically, the, the music, man, it gets a little meh sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I just did yeah. not catch it at all to me. Yeah, <laughs> there's there were some good numbers in there, uh, but uh, yeah, for the most part, meh. Had you seen this before? Yep, I saw this in theaters, but I hadn't seen it since theaters. <laughs> okay. And actually, I liked it more when I saw it the first time. The rewatch, uh, I liked it a little bit less. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Cool. I was reading that the composer, uh, Sondheim, like he's very protective of... Uh, his works and was very protective of this being uh, made into a film, like a, a new modern oh. one. And uh, when Tim Burton said he was interested, he like perked up and was like, Oh yeah, let's do it. And they talked to him and uh, he basically said um, he, to approve it, he wanted to approve casting. Like he, he wanted, and of course Burton's like, I'll only do it if Johnny Depp is, is Sweeney Todd. So they uh, came to that agreement. And then of course, like Tim Burton does, he's like, how about my lady? Um, Helena Bonham Carter. And she was pregnant during filming this, I guess. And uh, she, you know, sent in some auditions and he approved that. But to me, it's funny just because it's like, we, we have some of the, you know, at least those two are like Burton regulars, but um, we got some new, new people for once in his movies, which I'm guessing was sort of a thing. Uh, just because it was a musical, you need some people who can act and sing and yeah, but yeah, just did not do it for me and that's okay. Not, not every, everyone's going to be a hit, but, um, the visuals at the end, yeah, I really liked that. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So Tad, what's our third film for this episode? 
Our third film is also a modern film that just came out and it's called The Stylist. Hi. Right this way. So, what's the plan? I wish my hair would do that. But we all want what we don't have. I guess we all want what we don't have. This is amazing. Can't wait to see this with the dress. Oh, neither can I. <laughs> so, how's the wedding madness? Getting married turns you into such a narcissist. Yeah. <laughs> I am actually nervous. Yeah. It's gonna be great. I love you. Tell me about you, Claire. I do hair. You get to go in and out of people's lives. You hear stories. The hairstylist, she's creepy. Doesn't Liv actually know her? You give life advice. I guess we all want what we don't have. It's almost like having a family. Are you okay? We all dream of being someone else, but for Claire, that dream goes from an obsession to a living nightmare. Hairstylist by day, serial killer, and collector of scalps by night, Claire's lonely existence is thrown into turmoil when her regular client, Olivia, asks her to style her hair for her wedding day. Increasingly fixated on Olivia's seemingly flawless life, Claire vows to lock up her scalp collection and change her ways for good only to discover that repressing your deadly desires is easier said than done. Um, this is directed by Jill Six. That um, She also directed the short, The Stylist, uh, years ago, and um, she's done quite a few shorts. They've played at both of our film festivals. We know Jill. Um, and so it's great to see her finally get a big feature, and it's getting so much love and attention. It's it's you know available now to stream on, on the Arrow's streaming service and will be coming out on arrow on blu-ray but um i'm not here to plug it i'm here to talk about it uh i thought this one was this is my second watch i watched it when it premiered at i forget which festival has played so many now um watched it virtually and loved it the first time really cool the second time just as cool um noticed a few more things the second go around but uh it's so sort of Typical to call this the stylist very um, the stylist very stylish, but it really is. Uh, it's it's a really cool sort of quiet brooding movie. Um, her Claire is creepy as hell at times. Um, it, it made me sort of like realize like I, I never thought about like hairstylist how they do come in in and out of people's lives and have to hear them. They're like you know psychiatrists that happen to cut hair. Um, but yeah, I, I love the, the look of the film is, is really cool. Um, just a slow, it's not quite a slow burn, but there's some scenes where it's, where the dread sort of builds up. It has great atmosphere. The music's really good. Uh, yeah, I, I really love the Silas. what do you guys think? 
Uh, so you guys know this uh, director? Yep, she's yes. an old pal. Yep. Man, that's awesome. I loved this movie so fucking much, guys. This is my favorite out of the three. Uh, it's such a slow... It's so slow, I was never bored. Uh, I was always captivated by everything that, that, that they were doing on screen. Um, and I liked, uh, God, I liked the main actress a lot. She was so fucking good. Um, it, I really liked, uh, when she drugs the coffee store girl and she's outside, uh, waiting basically, oh, yeah. uh, for the, yeah, uh, she's all nervous and she's like picking at her cup, uh, right in front of her. Um, but then as soon as that coffee store girl, she goes out to the alley and then she sees her go down. It's just like a switch just goes off and she's just like, She's like self-assured. She knows what the fuck to do. She's not picking at cups. She's not nervous. She she knows exactly her mission. Um, oh God. Uh, yeah. Like I said, just never boring. Uh, like even there's a there's a tailing scene uh, where she's following uh, after the bachelorette party. She's following one of the characters home, uh, yeah. and and just yeah for a couple minutes. Uh, it, it's just like this almost chase tailing scene. Uh, but uh, like even that that was not boring at all. Like like I was on the edge of my seat for a lot of this movie, guys. I thought it was great. Great direction. Uh, I can't think of anything that wasn't great about it, honestly. <laughs> When she she f- follows her into her place and has to hide in the shower, and she's like yes. six inches away from her while she's taking a piss, it's Pee like yep. super tense. It's like you know, and she's holding <sighs> on to her her blades, like making her hand bleed, and she's she's second guessing herself. <laughs> I I absolutely in movies uh, hate scenes where someone's like somewhere they shouldn't be, and I mean I hate it in the yep. best way. Like they make like I said, that was that's always an edge of my seat type of thing where I'm just like. Fuck, she's gonna get caught. She's gonna get caught. She's gonna get caught. Yep. And, you know, she she gets out of there. But um, oh, forget yeah, that. that. The whole time she's in she's in the girl's house and like trying on her nighty, and then oh, uh, finds the the silver bullet sex in toy. The, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that whole that whole scene. I'm like, God. okay, just just leave. Just get out of there. Leave. You're freaking me out, girl. Get out of this house. You're gonna get caught. <laughs> I obviously love slow movies and things, but uh, I think the thing I love most about this movie is that uh, slow, uh, creepy, awkward lead character is a girl. It can be a girl, and that just isn't yeah. normal for these kind of movies that we watch all the time. And and it's just such a great, great part of this one to see all that through a, a woman's perspective, and it really made it really interesting you know yeah i think you can tell like it's from a not only we're watching it from a female perspective but you can tell it's written and directed from a female perspective like it it has its own um flair to it like i don't think a a male director could quite get this down like the, the scene where she goes out to the bachelorette party and she feels completely uncomfortable like I've been in a few of those situations, but I imagine like, you know, every, like women can probably relate to that more, like as the group mentality and, and how it's like, we're all nice to your friend, your, your face. And then when she goes to use the restroom and the girls are talking about her and she overhears them, it's like, it's just, you can feel her uncomfortableness in that scene. Like I feel yeah. comfortable for her. You know, she does, she does such a good job. Uh, Claire is so like, um, creepy, but not in the typical like, oh, she's a killer. Creepy, like just uh, completely uncomfortable around her, her social, the way she socializes 
and you know the way she interacts with people is just it, it makes you feel uneasy the entire movie like you're feeling her anxiety for her and give me that score right now oh my god oh yeah that was a good, score. Really so good, good. score i was definitely digging that really good just very atmospheric through the whole whole thing yeah. just totally sets the mood with amazing italian vibes yeah 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 Man. well that and the lighting oh well, visually yeah i was gonna say <laughs> the the, the, the it's a beautiful movie the way it was photographed it felt felt very italian and you know a lot of nice colored lights and stuff you know i love that shit but yeah it was beautifully shot gorgeous looking film and really impressed with some of the uh some of the shots that they did knowing that it's not a giant budgeted film but can you think of another movie where um, they prop the camera on the back of the car shooting through the car where we can see the driver and see the car in front of the main car. Everything is clear as day. You know, that. how did the fuck did they light that? <laughs> like, you just seriously. have to ask Jill. I guess. I guess. That had to have been... It was a, it was that was probably one of my favorite shots just based on a technical level of how in the heck did they do it and it's a shot that you know you know car to me car shots can be extremely boring especially as a filmmaker and shooting them because it feels like there's only maybe like four places you can set a camera and I had never seen a, a camera on a moving vehicle um, shot like that before it was, I thought that was I thought that was really cool. Um, yeah, it kind of felt a little slow burning to me. I'm kind of torn because I can, I can, I can remember feeling a little bit like, okay, this is dragging on a bit. Yet at the same time, I was extremely invested in the character through the whole thing that I didn't need. I didn't need the horror stuff in it. Like I kind of, I kind of felt like. When she has that moment where she feels like she can walk away from her murdering lifestyle where she boards up her basement and stuff, and I'm just like, you go, girl, and I just want everything to be hunky-dory for her for the rest of the film. <clears throat> so that's that's good testimony on performance and, and, and writing um, as well. So, yeah, I really I really like this movie, too. Maybe just maybe it just needed to be a little tighter, um, but... Uh, but I, honestly, I couldn't tell you where because I mean I was pretty invested in most of it, and uh, that end scene, you know, felt a little on the predictable side. But I st- still thought it was very cool, very cool. A, oh, it was a white, great camp. It was you know, by uh, Scary Gary's was, eyebrows. I saw Scary Gary in there. <laughs> it was kind of fun. Um, it was kind of fun, uh, especially watching it with Brandy, who also knows. Who knows more of those Kansas City people than than we do, and so she's pointing out way more people. But did you guys see Genius in there? I think I, th- I think I remember seeing him the first watch, but I don't remember where was he. Yeah, he's in the dance club oh, yeah, uh, yeah. for the bachelorette okay. party. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> the way he's dancing is like, yep, that's Genius. <laughs> all right, and Pepper's in there, and of course you got Pepper, and yeah. she's in the movie. Jill's oh yeah, in the movie. Jill's in the movie. She yeah. dies mm-hmm. real well. Yeah. She's a good diner. It was a great scene. It was a great scene. <clears throat> um, did you guys watch any of the special features or anything on the on this? I saw they had show? a bunch on Arrow, which is yeah, really yeah. cool. Like props to Arrow for having I that plan on plan. 
and I went straight into the short film after the movie was done because it was night. It would, Seen you know, that, yeah. Um, and man, it's it's night and day of the quality of where they've progressed as filmmakers between the short. I mean, the short's still great. Don't get me wrong, but the feature's so so beautiful in comparison. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's what I found interesting, and Brandy pointed this out, is that. Uh, I think technically the feature is a sequel to the short. I wondered that for a minute. Yeah, because the once we got to the end of the movie. Well, yeah, because there's the scene towards the end where she, she goes back. Line. She says the line that yep. the lady says that she kills in the short film. Yes, that was a neat. So you picked up on that too. Cool. Yep. <clears throat> and she's wearing her hair, the blonde, the blonde scalp in that in that moment. Yeah. Yep. But Jason, you definitely need to check out the special features because you're kind of in them. Did I make it in? You did. Ooh. Hot dang! Um, in, in the in the uh, making of a... the making of Little Doc, um, they kind of go through the history of the films that that Joe was making, and they showed a couple of clips from Call Girl, but they showed hey. the the cast and crew picture. Hey, that's me. The group picture. The sound and good. so you see Jason at the back with the sound equipment and and that pic. So. Nice. That was awesome. We're like, oh, there's Jason. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Style. Right. I think Brett had something else to say. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry, Brett. Oh, uh, let's see. Uh, I, I believe it was uh, Mike. You said uh, the predictability at the end, the last that last scene. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, at at the wedding, I uh, it, it was completely predictable. I felt like that was part of the fun of it, though. It was oh, like yeah. you knew, you knew who it was. You even, were just waiting. You even <laughs> see Bree in it, but in one of them shots, yeah, just they, to be they kind of yeah. cut back and forth. Uh, and that yeah. was great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> that's no, all I, I was gonna say. No, I'm with you. I agree. Um, even, you know, even though it's predictable, I still liked it. And I think I've said this on on other shows before too. That if I can predict the way a movie's gonna go, that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. It just means yeah. like the filmmaker and I are on the same mental level, and it's going the way I would like it to go. So, um, so I, I thought it was a very fun ending. Very cool. Even though I still kind of wanted her to just be all right at the end and have a happy ending. But. <laughs> nope. nope. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Once I saw it was going in that direction, I'm like, I gave up. I'm like, all right, I'm done trying to be <laughs> trying to be the nice guy here and hope she turns out okay. Let's just get to the bloodbath. <clears throat> okay, so th- that's it then. That is the films for Killer Hair. But don't cut out just yet. We're going to brush off for oh, just a moment. And when we come back, it'll be segments time on Attack of the Killer podcast. So what you can hear next during the break is a promo for our podcast network called the Prescribed Films Podcast Network. At the PFPN, it has a massive collection of podcasts, including, yep, you guessed it, the Brett and Tony podcast. Check them all out at thepfpn.com. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. 
visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, guys. It's segments time. First off, I'm going to turn it over to Jason with some shout-outs. It's time for... Shout-outs! Yo, yo, what's up, everybody? It's time for shout-outs. We asked, what are your favorite horror movies with killer hair? Kinda, dun, dun, I don't know dun. if we had to... There just aren't a lot, lot, so there aren't a super amount of comments, but we got our pal Abe, Abe Kirshner, over at the Attack of the Killer Podcast Group Edition. He says, the only one that comes to mind is Stacy Keach's segment in Body Bags. As far as hair that looks killer, if you're going that way, same answer. <laughs> I was kind of hoping body bags would get brought up because, yeah, that one that one disturbs me because you get those close up shots of those oh. little Ooh. monster hairs yeah. hair, crawling hair in the in mouth them. on the tongue. Oh, 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 oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Abe. Good pick, Abe. Right. And then, uh, well, you know, speaking of cool picks, we got over here on our Instagram page, we got Unsung Horrors. They agree. They say body bags. Yeah. That's a pretty good one. Um, Jason Bollinger put hell to pay. <laughs> what is that? You say hell to pay. So Classic. So one of the early prescribed films movies was a movie <laughs> called Double Features. Two two stories in one movie and one of the stories was hell to pay about a killer hairpiece. Oh, that's, that's right. Hairpiece, not so herpes, hairpiece. So there's yeah, there's a wig on on a bunch of fishing line attacking people to death. It's pretty <laughs> it's as good as you think it's going to be. We'll say that. And it growls and makes noises like killer tomatoes. Yeah, it does. <laughs> you cannot see it. Um okay. Uh and then lastly over on Twitter we got uh, Brian Godzill, Attacker Brian. He says, are we not cats? Has some killer hair. Remember that one? Yeah. Yeah. That's a weird one. That's a weird one, right? <laughs> but uh, remember, anyone, you can uh, give us a call in on our voicemail. Leave us a voicemail and we'll play your voice on our show. You can call us at 415-952-6857 or 415 415- Five nine five A O T K P, and that's shout outs. Thank you, Jason. Welcome, Mike. Now, unfortunately, there will be no recasting with Christian Slater this episode. It seems Gary Busey has somehow managed to get himself stuck inside a giant vat of baked beans, and Christian <laughs> Slater, against his better judgment, is trying to fish him out. But here instead, we have Brett with a short story he's going to share with us. Take it away, Brett. Thank you, guys. You guys are on in five minutes, Kara tells the Attack of the Killer podcast crew before ducking back out of the side room to let them finish getting ready. They were at the yearly Snake Alley Festival of Film to do a live show between film blocks. It was held every year at the historic Capitol Theater in downtown Burlington, Iowa. They had done these live shows before, so they weren't really feeling nervous. Instead, they were just relaxing in the side room and enjoying hanging out together, something they didn't get to do often enough off-podcast. Mike... Mike looks through boxes of old theater props stacked, stacked up against the wall. 
Tad shows Jason pictures on his phone of the new horror toys he just picked up recently, like a parent showing off pictures of his kid. And Andy curls a dumbbell that he brings everywhere with him, keeping the, <laughs> keeping the pythons maintained. Yeah. Whoa, look at this, exclaims Mike, pulling from the box what looks like an old gravy pour, only twice as big. Big whoop. It looks like they picked it up at a yard sale, Andy says, between reps. <laughs> no, look at the carvings on the side. This looks ancient, Mike tells him. Put it back before you break something, says Tad. It's my ass if you do. <laughs> Can't I just look at it a little bit longer, asks Mike. You heard him, Mike. Put it down. We're going on in three minutes anyways, Jason remarks, ever the peacekeeper. Fine, is all Mike can muster. Disappointed his best friends don't trust him. He goes to put the old gravy pour back into the box it came, when suddenly he loses his grip and it plunges to the floor. On its way down, it rubs against his palm. Sparks fly and fireworks burst out of it, exploding all around them. Then a gigantic man in a tunic floats out of the gravy pour with smoke bellowing all around. A genie. Holy cow, it was a genie's lamp, Jason exclaims. Who disturbs me from my slumber? The genie barks in a terrifying tone. Um, Tad starts to respond, looks around the room. Us, obviously. <laughs> Oh man, I've always wanted to find a genie, Mike says, not able to contain his excitement. I knew that if I never stopped believing that I'd find one one day. You really thought you'd find one, asks Jason. It's all in the power of the mind, Mike tells him. Knock, knock, knock. Three minutes till showtime, Carrie yells through the door. So what's up, genie? Do we get some wishes or what? Andy asks. You get one, you get one wish per rub, the genie answers. One. What a ripoff. It's supposed to be three, complains Mike. One wish per rub, the genie yells. No more. I mean, one wish is better than no wishes, mediates Jason. Well, guys, what should we ask for? Mike asks the group. They think for a second. Any concert ticket, any row we want, we get first dibs forever, Tad suggests. <laughs> Any Blu-ray, past, present, or future, even the really bad ones, Mike throws out. We could, we could have the most chiseled bodies and never have to work out again, says Andy. <laughs> Guys, Jason interrupts them, we could have four copies of every single toy ever made. Any toy, guys. You guys, we're never going to agree on a wish, says Tad. You're right. What do we do? Asks Mike. They look around at each other, innocent at first friendly but soon their innocence turns suspicious no one wants to budge on their wish they hold their stares with each other then bam tad punches jason squarely in the face mm -hmm. mike and andy watch then look at each other don't do it andy you don't do it mike then they lunge at one another locking arms and not letting go andy brings the dumbbell up and swings it hitting mike under the chin Interesting, the genie says to himself, then snaps his fingers, and magically a mess load of weapons appear on the table in the middle of the room. The crew takes notice and dive for the table. Mike comes up with a sword, right before Andy can grab anything. He swings and decapitates Andy, the head hitting the floor with a thump. <laughs> Jason grabs a machete, as Tad is able to come up with nunchucks. Damn it, says Tad, when he sees he's outweighed in the weapons department. <laughs> Jason swings the machete. Tad tries to block it with his nunchucks, but it swings by and slices through his arms, taking it clean off. As the arm hits the ground, Jason stabs the machete in Tad's chest, sending him to the ground dead. Mike and Jason turn to each other, ready. 
But then Jason cracks first, dropping his machete hand to his side. I can't do it, Mike. We've been best friends for too long, Jason tells him. You can have the wish. I won't fight you. Mike raises his sword and swipes it through Jason, making two equal parts of him. (laughs) The genie stands up, clapping. Good show, good show, the genie tells him. Mike looks down at his dead friends, regret sinking in. Where would you like your Blu-rays delivered, the genie asks. (laughs) But Mike can't answer. I, uh, I... I don't want Blu-rays. Without my friends to watch them with, it just seems pointless, says Mike. I just want my friends back. I need my friends. The genie rolls his eyes and snaps his fingers. In a poof, the room goes back to normal. All four of the podcast crew are alive. No genie, no weapons, no signs of a struggle. Knock, knock, knock on the door. Showtime, Carrie yells through the door. The crew look at each other. Then Tad pipes up. After that, do we even say break a leg? The end. <laughs> Man, you got us right on the money there Nailed between it. Andy's reps and he has been listening for Jason's <laughs> pictures of toys and me snooping through stuff. You've totally captured their characters. Uh-huh. I've listened for years, guys. <laughs> That was awesome. That was awesome. Thank you. Thank you for that. (laughs) Okay. So if anyone knows anything about me, I'm a big fan of makeup effects artists. So this Hall of Fame, I will be inducting. I'll be inducting an effects artist. Uh, But it's not one who you would think. Um, My all-time favorite, of course, is Tom Savini. But that's too obvious. Rick Baker, Dick Smith, KMB Effects Studios, all too mainstream. The effects artist that fits into the hallowed halls of Insane's Picks Hall of Fame is the effects artist, actor, and even one-time TV star, Clef Hall. Clef Hall was born on June 22, 1959. He grew up in Florida with his brother and fellow effects artist, Kenneth J. Hall. Both were bo- both boys were adopted, and their adopted no- mother would regularly take them to go see monster movies. After seeing the film Godzilla vs. The Thing, Clef began a lifelong love of Japanese monsters. In 1976, he built a Godzilla costume that caught the attention of Six Flags over in Texas, um, who hired him to build one for them. This love for Godzilla would also add to his filmography earlier in his career. Clev started his own effects company, Imagination Productions, and worked on numerous commercials and theater. In the 1980s, he moved to Hollywood and worked on many low-budget films, such as Nightmare from 1981, Metal Storm in 1983, Dungeon Master in 84, Ghoulies in 84, and Zone Troopers in 1985. Because of his love for Godzilla, he was hired to create and act in the Godzilla suit, used in Pee-wee's Big Adventure in 1985. And you can also see Clev uh, in the Satan Helper's biker scene in Pee-wee's Big Adventure as well. Throughout the 80s, he continued to work regularly as an effects artist for Richard Band and Fred Olin Ray. Uh, he did work on Troll in 86, Eliminators in 86, Terror Vision in 86, 
Evil Spawn, Paranite, Twisted Nightmares, all in 1987, and even one of my favorites, Nightmare Sisters, in 1988. He also did some acting throughout this time. Uh, he was Matthew in Twisted Nightmares, Streak in Rollerblade Warriors Taken by Force, and even played The Gipper, the serial killer in the Ronald Reagan mask in Linnea Quigley's Horror Workout. He played keyboard in many in many different punk and death metal bands over the years. He played in such bands as Mad Love, Exquisite Corpse, and Urn. His love for music also helped in his effects career, creating props for such bands as Kiss, Insane Clown Posse, and even the great Alice Cooper. Clef got an Emmy nomination for his work on the kids' show, Yo Gabba Gabba, and even did some effects works on the Aquabat Super Show. I first learned about Clef Hall when he starred in the sci-fi reality show called Monster Man, the show followed him as he would get hired to complete effects jobs on various projects. Even though the show, show felt pretty scripted at times, it was a show that was right up my alley, being a reality show based on an effects man and, an, and his um, workshop. I even learned some fun techniques from the show, like spray painting spoons black to use as shark eyes. Sadly, Clef Hall recently died on March 31st of this year. Uh, he may be gone, but his work lives on. Rest in peace, Clef. Cliff Hall, effects artist, musician, actor, and now inductee into Insane's Picks Hall of Fame. That's our show, folks. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Special thanks goes out to our very special guest, Brett. Brett, Brett, Yay! Brett. Ah, thanks for having me again, guys. And uh, people, don't forget to listen to Brett and Tony with Ashlyn and Abe. Uh, or so go good. to Amazon.com and uh, grab uh, Iowa Grindhouse for sale there. Did I see you're working on something new, too? Oh, yeah. Uh, sh- yeah, sure I am. Uh, <laughs> it is uh, ma- Massacre at uh, Big Hollow. Massacre at Big Hollow. So <laughs> hopefully, fingers crossed, it's going. I feel like it's going pretty good. So I'm excited for it to get out there. <laughs> Awesome. Can't wait. Yes. So that's the show, folks. I want to thank everybody for listening. And a special also thanks goes out to the attackers out there. You too can become an attacker by going to jointheattackers.com. But until next time, thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you on the next episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Oh no, could this be the end of? (laughs) Attack of the Killer Podcast.